0: Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Turtletow from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from Boston is Mary Shirley. Mary is Head of Culture of Integrity and Compliance Education for Fresenius Medical Care and co-host of the Great Women in Compliance Podcast. And today we're going to be talking about Corporate Compliance and Ethics Week. Uh, Mary, thanks for taking time away from your day to talk to us. Pleasure. My pleasure, too. Now, first, how long has Fresenius Medical Care been celebrating Corporate Compliance and Ethics Week, and, and how has the program evolved through the years?
1: Mm. So before I joined the U.S. business, that section of the company has had one since about 2016 and we've gradually expanded it and there are now committees across the globe, including staff from outside compliance that work on the initiative. So it's um, born as often things are when it comes to compliance uh, in the U.S. and then grown throughout the organization. And unsurprisingly, we've had to move to remote activities during the pandemic. In terms of the evolution, for the ones that I've been involved in, we've really tried to move beyond, say, a quiz and turn from the top messaging, which I see as Compliance Week 1.0, and innovate to make it a truly uh, useful exercise beyond awareness, for example, using the opportunity as a two-way feedback mechanism and data analytics source.
0: Now, now, let's pause there on the data analytics thing. You know, normally people do think of quizzes, posters, banners, and things like Mm. that, not data analytics. Why did you Mm -hmm. choose that week to focus on it?
1: Mm, It's a great question. And what it really boils down to is that it's as simple as that because people are willing to participate, you literally have people, I would say, in New Zealand queuing up. I guess you in America would say lining up to participate and get involved. And similarly, as a two-way feedback mechanism, it's a really good environment to gather information. People's guards are down because it's a light, fun atmosphere. And so they're not feeling very defensive or like they're being interrogated or quizzed for information. They're in an atmosphere where it's fun, they're volunteering to participate, and so that gives you, I think, an advantage that something like a culture of integrity survey, which I certainly see a lot of value in doing, but you almost have to beg for um, people to take time out of their day and participate. Compliance Week is different. You uh, provide awareness about it, you invite people to attend, and they show up. So it's a great opportunity because people are, proactively or actively wanting to help you out and not be begged to participate in your survey to get you that information.
0: And that certainly is a much better place to be in. Now, what data do you typically collect and examine?
1: Mm -hmm. So I think when we think about data analytics, a lot of the time we think of quantitative data and we certainly should be gathering that data. For those of us who have legal backgrounds and are a little bit scared of uh, numerals, figures and Excel spreadsheets, uh, you may be relieved to hear that um, this is an opportunity to collect qualitative data. So we can get a gauge for how much people have uh, retained in compliance training and educational outreach by taking the learning objectives from your materials that were released earlier in the year and quizzing people on them to gauge their level of understanding and absorption further down the track so many of us do tests at the end of our compliance training and we often don't test at all for the success or effectiveness of our compliance communications this is an opportunity in which you can check whether your efforts to pass an educational message on to your colleagues uh, whether it's been successful so Uh, that's the first thing that you can gauge, whether the training was effective from an absorption standpoint, and two, where we still have gaps in knowledge, which will help inform our training and communications plan for the year ahead. So um, for example, if you set up a Jeopardy type quiz um, and ask people questions that are based on things that you would expect them to know about your compliance program, That's a great way to identify whether they've retained that information, whether they know that information, and whether there are any gaps. Maybe you could even have scenarios and ask them to apply the information. And you don't have to do just a traditional Jeopardy-type quiz game. Um, One of the things that we did at one of our fairs previously was setting up a number of drinks for prizes, some alcoholic um, bottles of wine, and for the non-drinkers, bottles of um, sparkling grape juice, And the idea was to to take a ring and toss it over the neck of the bottle. And for whatever bottle you could get the ring on, you would keep your prize. But in order to earn a ring, you had to answer um, a maximum of three compliance questions first. And so for every question you got correct, you would earn yourself a ring. So there are ways in which you can move beyond the traditional quizzing to make it a little bit more interactive, engaging and different, have people incentivized to earn more rings and get more involved.
0: That's so funny. I I love the idea of the carnival atmosphere for mm-hmm. a serious purpose. Now, <laughs> we you touched upon this a bit. You, you use this week not just as an opportunity to out to communicate outward to the team, but also to start really a, a dialogue, a two-way feedback loop between mm-hmm. compliance and the workforce. Um what do you do to get the conversation started that's often the hardest point
1: It is and so um you know a lot of our work in compliance is about being sensible with incentives i.e. we don't tolerate bribery But as we know, there are certain incentives that are appropriate and um, moderate and reasonable. So getting people to become involved in these conversations can be as simple as at your carnival type event, setting up a whiteboard with some prompts. So at the top of a whiteboard, you could have, Um, A question that you really want to know the answer to, so um, a very basic one, a a good level setting one, is for the compliance departments that think they are well on their way to moving from the reputation of the sheriff or the people who always say no and are in fact genuinely seen as a business partner and an enabler, you can test that by asking what do you think of when you uh, hear the word compliance, and I have seen an example of a um, a business unit where compliance felt very confident that they had achieved that goal. And interestingly, one of the pieces of feedback that was put up in response to that question was simply the word no. So that tells them that they've got some work to do, even though they themselves didn't believe that to be the case. So this type of two-way feedback ne- mechanism is a real useful reality check in terms of us taking ourselves from compliance and being the people who say, okay, I have trained on the principle of non-retaliation seven times, therefore everybody knows about it. That's what I, I tend to see a lot in compliance practitioner beliefs. That's what you think. You don't know that. And so this is a really good way of taking yourself from, do you believe something to be the case to, are you assured that your communication and training has actually worked. So another couple of questions um, might be, what do you want more training on in the future? If we make our training plans based on what we anecdotally think people want based on say, some of the advisory questions that they've asked, that's good, but it's only one step. So the gap analysis from the data analytics can help us, but also simply asking our stakeholders, what do you need more clarification on what it What is there that you might still be confused about? Actually going to your source helps you set up your uh, your rationale and in terms of the Department of Justice guidance where they say you should have access to your data and use it to enhance your compliance program. This is a really easy way in which you can do that even if you're not naturally good with facts and figures. And finally, you know asking the business again for their feedback in terms of things you've always really wanted to know about for example i know of a business that was thinking okay no one wants to get more emails from compliance they have already got enough in their inbox um, you know we should be thinking outside the box about different ways in which to communicate with people but when we put this question up on the whiteboard in terms of actually asking the stakeholders what it was that they wanted not just us speculating on what they want. Interestingly, the majority of responses came back that they preferred to hear from us via email. So this can Mm. be a really great way to get simple and basic information that helps you know something as opposed to think it or believe it as the person who's not in the shoes of our actual audience. We in compliance are never really in the shoes of our audience, no matter how much we try. So we may as well take the opportunity and ask those people directly what it is that you want, so that we can take the guesswork out of it.
0: That's great because I I love the fact that one you're giving people a demonstration that you're also there to listen, you know, and that mm-hmm. you want to make things better for them. And secondly, when you start doing what they want, there's more buy-in uh, because exactly. you're giving them what they need, and they they appreciate that more. Mm-hmm. So. The week is great, you tee things up. How do you keep the conversation going for the other 51 weeks of the year?
1: Yeah, your commentary was actually a perfect segue into uh, my response for this, which is that when we take something from others, th- in order for them to feel confident about participating in these types of initiatives in the future, is that we need to demonstrate that we were listening, we took it seriously, And that if you tell us something needs to be fixed or that you prefer something to be in a certain way, that we then take necessary action where possible. So what I like to do is to always circle back when someone's giving feedback. So for example, in the introductory statements in the annual training, make reference to the fact that um, we've chosen proportionately, three topics on XYZ for this year's annual training. This is because you told us this in the culture of integrity survey that you wanted to hear more about it or um, during some of our compliance week activities, we noticed that there was um, an area of opportunity for knowledge to be increased in why area and so when we go back to people and remind them that we solicited their advice and this is how we've applied it this is how we've tried to improve based on what they've told us to me that's a good way of showing them that when you do take the time to give us your thoughts and opinions it's not going to go to waste it's not going to be futile and we are going to honor to the extent possible making our program better based on the feedback that you've given.
0: Well, I'm going to argue with one thing that you said, that's a good way to do it. I, I would say that's a great way to do that. <laughs> it's just, it's terrific. You know, people always want that feedback and, you know, the mm-hmm. compliance can sometimes feel like a black box to people. And if mm-hmm. they can understand what's coming out of it, uh, it's mm-hmm. going to make the compliance team much more approachable and more integral to their work. Well, Mary, thank you so much for sharing these insights with us today. I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Turtletop from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective.